The Bengals are AFC North. The Bengals are AFC North champions. An unbelievable idea to most people, but not to those of us that have lived through the Joe Burrow experience before. Today marks the beginning. Oh my, what a game, what a game. I mean, you guys, I know all of you out there consume every bit of Bengals content possible. And, and you know, we might be like the third or fourth podcast on your list. I don't think I'm even the number one podcast on my own list. <laughs> In terms of, you know, there's just so much great stuff out there for Cincinnati Bengals stuff. I'm not going to go through the game. I'm not going to go play-by-play. Clip, oh man, the penalties, you know, just Chiefs fans are annoying, you know they're annoying, you know that refs don't decide games, and plenty of games have gone the other direction in Bengals history. Don't need to go through that. Jamar Chase was incredible, and they kept playing man coverage on him. It's, it's pretty simple, right? The game was what it was. I want to focus more on what we often do on this show, the bigger topics, the emotions, the feelings, what were we dealing with, and, and what I really felt that was unique about that Cincinnati Bengals game and this Cincinnati Bengals team. And, and it really was tied up in two feelings. So the first time was the the touchdown when the Bengals were down 28-17. That 69-yard dynamic over-the-top Jamar Chase touchdown where Daniel Sorensen, he's cheating the hash. He's not playing outside the hash. They tried that special play where um, you have the underneath corner try to jump that out route instead of carrying with the go, and then the overtop safety is supposed to cover the one receiver, and Daniel Sorensen was a little inside the hash, and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase made him play. That play was scientific. It was mechanical, and yet incredible, and yet it's something that the Bengals desperately needed at that time of the game. But when it happened, I didn't even get off the couch. It was exciting. I clapped. But it was more of a nod. It was more of that was what was supposed to happen. That's what happened when you try to cheat the out route and you play inside the hash. That's what happens when Jamar Chase is wide open. That's what's going to happen when Joe Burrow has the ball in his hands all the time. It it wasn't like back in the Andy Dalton era. When, When a play like that would happen and you knew they needed it and it happened I remember the Ravens touchdown. It's the one that sticks out in my mind where A.J. Green catches a slant route, breaks three tackles, is off and running into the end zone. Oh, my God, they needed that. They needed that touchdown so bad. And it was this elation. It was this overpouring of emotion. We did it. Oh, my God. You know, I had a Tyler Boyd touchdown against the Ravens. It put the Bills in the playoffs. Same idea. It didn't feel inevitable. And I talked about this in the Jaguars game, and I've talked about this I don't know, 150 times since I started talking about Joe Burrow, which happened to coincide when I started my radio career. This kid feels inevitable because he's out-prepared and outworked you. He knows what's coming, and if you do something dumb like Daniel Sorensen did, it will be, every time, a 69-yard touchdown. And that really brought me to the feeling of, and really the statement I made after the game, that this is only the beginning. And let me let me try to describe it in a different way 
that really helped it make sense to me because I, 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 you know, football games are so crazy. It's why I don't do a podcast on Sundays when I've had a couple drinks, but two, I just don't like doing it right after. There's so many emotions. You've got to go through it all. Football games are big emotional events. You have to go through it all, especially a game like that. And really the analogy that I hooked myself to of what, okay, what did that just feel like? What does this game mean? Back when Andy Dalton and the Bengals would make the playoffs, that was like the end of the race. That was the success. That was the celebration. That's the one where you're like, man, it almost feels like football season's over. We did it. We won the AFC North. <laughs> right? That's what it felt like. It, we did it. We, we got to the end of the race. But that's not what this felt like. This felt like landing on the ground. So here's the analogy difference. Let me get to it here. Both experiences are like jumping out of the out of a plane and, and you're skydiving, right? The only difference was when we went skydiving with Andy Dalton, we were skydiving in, in blue skies with a good defense. And when we get to the ground, there's no action there either. You know, we're just getting to the ground and we're done. All right? That's all we're doing, right? And, and it's nice and easy. And there were a couple pumps. Ooh, ooh we, we hit a tough wind. Oh, my gosh. And then we landed. We did it. Oh, my God. We went skydiving. We didn't die. But the thing about this entire experience to this AFC North title with Joe Burrow is that we jumped out of the plane and the parachute caught and it, it started ripping and the, and the plane is on fire and we're jumping out of the plane and there's a rip in our parachute and we're falling down and spinning sideways and nobody knows what's going on except thank God that Joe Burrow is the one pulling the parachute. He you know, adjusts in the wind. He rips the parachute cord. That one doesn't work, so he rips the other one. And then he lands it on two feet, gracefully as ever, as calm as ever, and we're off and rolling. And it's just the beginning. And, and now we do it again and again and again and again. And, and the next time we go up in the plane, there's going to be, I don't know, probably more ideal circumstances, not 50 sacks from an offensive line, not a defense that has holes all over the place, not a roster that if, if they had like literally 10% worse injury luck, they might not have made it to this point of the season. And we're just going to keep going back and land it again. And if it gets smoother, the operator is so smooth, you never feel like the it's going to go sideways or left and right. You know, the Andy Dalton experience, if that first parachute cord didn't pull, buddy, we were going down down. And when you have a smooth operator like this, it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. It doesn't matter what wide receivers come in. And I, I, you know, what's most exciting about this is I think you have Randy Moss at 21 years old and you paired him with, you know, the second coming of Tom Brady. And now you get them for their whole career instead of just a three-year run, which is one of the most dominant offensive runs in NFL history. So that's the, that's the exciting, you know, that's the duh factors of it. But what I love about it is, guys, is, is it's just, it's going to be consistent. It's going to be consistent because Joe Burrow is consistent, right? That You take the personality of your quarterback. And we love Carson Palmer. I don't think Carson Palmer was consistent. He was great. Was he consistent? Was he this daring leader? Was, the, was he this brilliant processor? No, he's just great at quarterback, right? Honestly, I think Carson Palmer and Justin Herbert share a lot of similarities, I, I, you know, maybe quarterback people don't say that, but massive arms, massive talents, smart kids from the West Coast. And 
Thank God Justin Herbert ended up in Los Angeles because I don't think he would have ever had success here in Cincinnati. I really don't. And it's not because of Justin Herbert's talent. It's because of who Justin Herbert is. He couldn't have elevated this. And it's because Joe Burrow is consistent. It's because he's there and he works harder than everybody. And, and the way he does it in his football mind, and I could go on and on and on about it, it it's all there. This is the beginning. The beginning. Because of the consistency. Because of the trustworthy traits that Joe Burrow puts on tape and puts out in the media and, and with the way he handles himself in terms of public relations and, you know, at press conferences. And even though he comes off as brash and cocky, he's just unbelievably confident in himself. And anybody that meets the kid says the same thing. that It doesn't come off as cockiness if you ever talk to him. It just, he's confident. He believes in himself. He's Joe Burrow and he knows he's really good at quarterback. But what I think is being misperceived in the media that I want to clear up, and I want to make sure that we, at least in, in Bengaldom, understand that who Joe Burrow actually is as a person is not going to be the persona that many are going to place on him. They are going to place the macho man, cool guy, maybe a little bit of a douchebag, Joe Burrow pointing at his ring finger, swag, rappers love him, smoke cigars in the locker room, you know, all this stuff, right? That's not Joe Burrow. I mean, it is Joe Burrow. He does all those things. He has fun with all those things. But that's not like what he lives for. Right? Joe Burrow doesn't live for looking cool and smoking a cigar in the locker room, right? I'll be honest. At times in my life, I've certainly lived for that, wanting to look cool. I don't think Joe Burrow's ever had an interest in that because Joe Burrow is a nerd, ladies and gentlemen. He's a nerd. We've got a nerd. Now, he's cool. He happens to play the coolest sport in the world, and that's what he's the biggest nerd about is football. But he's a nerd, and that's what all the great guys are. They're nerds at heart. All the great quarterbacks are dorks. They're nerds. They're shut-ins. They don't come out. I mean, you notice Jeff Ruby Steakhouse. There's T. There's Jamar. There's Joe Mixon. And you no know, Joe Burrow, because Joe Burrow probably just went home. said, I'm tired, guys. I'm going to go to sleep, watch some film, turn on SpongeBob on the TV, and chill. Like, that's who Joe Burrow is and always has been. He's never had a reputation of a partier, even though he was famous from when he was 14. He was the biggest deal Southeast Ohio had ever seen at the quarterback position. He could have done whatever he wanted in Southeast Ohio. Not a lick of trouble, not an ounce, not a hint. He is the consummate professional, and we've got the perfect person to talk to about it, Matt Frazee. We'll talk to him on the other side of the break. We'll take a little pause and then bring Matt right in to talk about Joe Burrow and his personality. All right, Matt Frazee with us. I, I almost got into the podcast without actually reintroducing it, so I had to go back because Matt and I, you know, Matt was my color guy um, when I did Athens Bulldog football. And Matt, are you still doing color for the games, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, next fall. Yes, still the color guy, right? So Yes, sir broadcasting games in Joe Burrow Stadium. And we just, we, we, we've spent so much time in the car. We've spent so much time talking, especially about this topic, um, that I just jump right into it. And what I was just saying to Matt and what we were talking about but before we took our pause here on the Coney was Joe Burrow's a nerd. I mean, right, Matt? This is what everybody kind of, because of his outward personality, and he is a tough guy, I mean, He's got a football family and older brothers, and they're from Nebraska. Like, they're going to be tough dudes, right? Yeah, I know he's a tough guy. I know all that. But in his heart of hearts, he's a nerd. He loves SpongeBob, loves chilling at home, loves playing video games and hanging out with his girlfriend and watching film. 
And and that is more the Joe Burrow experience than the, oh, he can't wait to go party on the town with a cigar. Like, I don't even think Joe went out last night. I mean, I'm, I'm almost assured I, I can, he didn't go out. I can, I can guarantee you he didn't. Yeah, there's... I've already had this, I've already had this discussion today. Uh, after the game last night, uh, his, his one brother uh, had come in. Uh, from out of state to watch the game. It was the first game he had seen in Paul Brown Stadium uh, with Joe. Uh, and he left the left the conferences, got cleaned up, and, and literally they went to, to his house there in, in Cincinnati. Uh, and it was a family night at home. That, that was exactly what he did. You know, I saw uh, Jeff Ruby posted a thing with, you know, Jamar and a few of the other players had, had went out to celebrate it at his restaurant and, you know, Joe was not in that mix. He was was 100%, uh, you know, just went home. That, that was just what he does. I mean, that, that's kind of what he does. Yeah, and, and I think it doesn't offend. I mean, we had the preseason story, Matt, that Jamar and Joe and T were, like, having get-togethers, and, and they were like, well, is Joe Burrow there? And, like, no. And, and Joe's like, well, I guess I'm not invited to those things. But it's not that they don't like him or anything. It's just – he, that's not his relationship to them in the, he spends plenty of time with them throughout the week working on football. And yes, they go out to dinner and things like that, but it's planned. It's scheduled. It's, it's not going to interrupt his home work, relax routine that he does one because he likes it. Right, Matt. And two, because it helps him focus on football the most. And he's a family football SpongeBob guy. And it, it just, and I love the repeatability of that, and that's never going to go away. I feel like you could be talking about Joe Burrow two days after a Super Bowl. It's just another family night. Like, is he is he going to be spending a week partying in Los Angeles after they win the Super Bowl? No, it'd be two days, you know, whatever, and then right back to football. I, I just think that this is his mode, and it's not. He's not doing it because he's desperate to win, Matt. He's doing it because this is what he's always done, right? Yeah, I agree. I I, I think. Uh... As you said, I think the misconception is that that everybody wants to go and party and celebrate when they get to that level. And uh, I think Joe's not necessarily an outlier in the fact that that that's not his main focus in life. Um, I mean, all you need to know is, I mean, he's got the same girlfriend he had when he was a you know early in his early days at Ohio State. Um, you know, he's not out you know chasing different girls and and running around on the town. Um, even when he was in high school. You know, we live, for those that don't know, you know, Athens, the plains where, where Joe grew up is, you know, literally just minutes from Ohio University and and the bar scene and the reputation of the drinking and party school. You know, a lot of high school kids around here get get caught up in that oh, yeah. atmosphere and pulled into that. And he was one of those kids. And in, in, in all honesty, the whole group of kids that he was with were never kids that you were, you were, had to worry about waking up on a Wednesday and finding out that the whole group got caught at a, at a party at the university and that they were all in trouble. And you know, that wasn't what they did. As you said, you know, usually if you found one of that, one of the kids from that group of, of kids uh, and there were five or six that ran pretty tight together there, they were at one, one house or the other. And it was almost always, you know, video games and watching WWE and, and the most tame, as you said, you know, nerdy, type of things that you yeah. can do. Um, I mean, that's what he does. He's a very grounded person. He always has been. Um, even to this day, when I, I, you know, I went to, he invited us to come down and, and hang out at training camp one day um, with the, he and his family. And then uh, we went down 
uh, in the middle of the week kind of thing. Um, he's just so humble. Um, even to this day, you don't get that sense of, in the media, you kind of get that little cockiness, especially in his press conferences when they ask him a question and you get that sly little smirk where he answers the question but doesn't really answer it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that kind of thing. I think people perceive that as cocky. And, and to some degree it is, I, I would imagine. But, you know, I, I look at it as from day to day, he's one of the most humble people I've ever seen. Um, you know, in the off season, you know, before camp started off, you know, he was back in town and, you know, a good friend of ours, you know, uh, Sam Smathers, uh, you know, Joe comes over to the garage, you know, and, and just hangs out for like an hour, hour and a half and just talking and not football and, and not, you know, X's and O's just, just to hang out and just to be a person, you know, that's from the community, hanging out with other people from, from around here. And, you know, fortunately I was there, you know, and with him that day and, uh, it's one of those things that you you know a lot of people don't get to experience him on a day to day basis. You just see, you know, the, on the field and and in the press conference kind of stuff. And it's uh, and yeah, Matt, it's and amazing I bet, how grounded he stays throughout his life. And I bet the way to get Joe Burrow, you know, because every person has this, and they and they tell you this in business books, and they tell you this in in, in classes where they teach you social skills. You know, you want to get the other person talking about themselves. So you always got to try to figure out, okay, how can I get this guy to sit here for five hours and really want to sit here? And I feel like it's the easiest thing with Joe. I feel like the one thing you do is just probably start talking about coverages. Start talking about, you know, offensive lineman protections and left and right and this and that. I feel like that that's his, um, you know, Jess uses this term modus operandi. Like that's his... That's right. what he loves to talk about. And if you get him into a conversation that's engaging to him about that topic, he'll just go. And, and you can see that almost bust out of him in every press conference, how nerdy he wants to get about football. And like, and you love to see that at that age because it's the attention to detail and it's exciting as a football talent that he has that passion so innately and then you've got his dad as a defensive coordinator. I mean, Matt, I can't wait because people have kind of forgotten some of the details of Joe Burrow's story here. If he makes a deep playoff run this year, people are going to be like, wow, we're idiots. This is the quarterback prodigy we all should have seen coming because you've got yeah. the dad that's a defensive coordinator dominating high school. They literally copy what he did at Athens, almost the same plays at LSU. They win the national championship, 60 touchdowns in the sec. It's like, it should have been obvious that this was going to happen. Well, you always have, you know, to prove it. Every time you step up a level, you have to prove it. You know, the first time I saw the kid play was in sixth grade and you know, you could tell he had, some skill sets that you just don't see at that level. I mean, most quarterbacks that are, you know, 11, 12 years old can't throw the ball 35 and 40 yards, you know, down the field and, and accurately. And he could. Uh, and then I didn't see him for a couple of years. I didn't, I didn't see any of his middle school games, but then, you know, I watched a couple of his freshman games and, and at the time the high school varsity squad was pretty darn good. And we had some some talent and and some other kids that were were achieving you know some winning, uh, and the question was well how good can they be? And then it was like well this kid's coming up and he's he's going to be pretty good and, and and people kind of doubted that he could you know elevate the program. But every place he's been and I've heard you use this comment before he he changes the culture. It's not just 
pure talent. Um, I can understand why people going into this past draft could look at Justin Herbert or could look at Tua and see people that were more talented in one area or another. But those guys aren't culture changers. You know, when uh, Justin Herbert left Oregon, Oregon wasn't looking for somebody to take, you know, to, to take over and, and show the way. Joe gets to LSU and, and a, a place where, you know, quarterback play has been traditionally horrible yeah. um, for, for decades. And they, he comes in and immediately they, they, they see what they've got. They change their entire offensive philosophy to build around one guy because the coaching staff believed the guy could do it. The players believed the guy could do it. So each step at Athens High School, he, he changes the culture. They literally you know, come up with a whole new offense just because of the kid's skill, skill set. LSU follows suit. Now the Bengals are, are, are you know, basically now transitioning into the, we're going to expect him to go win football games for us one way or another. Oh, yeah. And they, they believe that in each, each step of the way, uh, you can ask, you know, Coach White here at Athens High School, uh, Ed Ogeron said the same thing. You know, often in any meeting he's in and was, you know, the best of the best, he's the smartest guy on the, in, the, in the room. Yeah, he sees I mean, stuff and can explain stuff that other people just don't see, don't recognize. Yeah, he's a master of the game in that way. I mean, I, I think that's that was the thing that nobody was accounting for. You know, you, everybody was just looking at the throws he made at LSU. But, you know, you had told me for a long time and it had been evident with the way he plays this, the position of quarterback. I mean, he just sees it in a way that only like four other people in the history of the world have seen the game. I'm, I'm, it's that special. And now he has combined with it throughout his high school because of, because of Athens High School, because of Athens, because of Southeast Ohio. He's been given this legendary skill set. And because of his life circumstances, because of growing up in Southeast Ohio being naturally doubted there, because of being the youngest sibling, that's a natural, you know, chip on your shoulder point. Um, you have your dad as a defensive coordinator. You're given the keys of an offense your sophomore year when you're an undersized, skinny kid. I mean, go look at Joe Burrow, pictures of him. There's not a lot of big programs in Columbus, Matt, that would have handed the keys to him as, as a 15-year-old kid. I mean, I know how good he was. He was about 155-ish pounds as yeah, a sophomore. He was like 155 pounds soaking wet. He was too skinny. You would worry about him getting killed at the D2 or D1 levels. I mean, this is what you would have thought going in. I mean, probably would have transcended that anyways. So he's given an opportunity for this program that is ripe to be built around, given the opportunity to do it. And, and that life circumstance set him up to elevate his play. And then he gets doubted again at the perfect time with the Elite 11 coaches. That elevates his play once again. Then it's like it's only Tom Herman essentially taking him seriously in the recruiting process. So elevate the chip again. Urban Meyer won't even half consider getting him anywhere near. I don't think Joe ever thought he was going to start over JT Barrett. But at least from an outsider's perspective, it felt like Joe Burrow was like the eighth guy on that depth chart. It felt like they were giving Tate Martell every opportunity they could get to push ahead of Joe Burrow. They wanted Joe Burrow to crash out of the program. It almost felt that way. And Joe had to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. 
And then he walks in the LSU and all that chip, all of that stuff. This is what people don't understand, Matt, is they're like, man, where'd this guy get his chip? He got drafted number one overall. Yo, the chip's been in there probably since like he was 17. Since those Elite 11 coaches passed on him, he's had this in his mind to go be the best possible quarterback he can possibly be. And that's all his goal is. I I don't think his goal, Matt, is like, oh, I need to win eight Super Bowls. I think he's just decided after those Elite 11 coaches told him he wasn't good enough, he said, I owe it to myself. I owe it to everything I am to go be the best damn quarterback I can possibly be. And wherever that takes me, hopefully I can prove those coaches wrong. And he living that philosophy, baby, day in, day out, it it is paid off in unbelievable ways because now look at his body. He ain't 155 anymore. He's stacked, Matt. He's stacked. He's got a thick neck and he's strong. He's ready to be an NFL talent for the next 15 years. Not just an NFL talent, an MVP, best in the league, no guy you'd rather have talent. Oh, I agree. And, and you know, you and I, I had this conversation with you previously. You know, and he's come into the NFL at probably the worst possible time. He comes in in the, in the middle of a, of a pandemic that's literally got, you know, every training camp is shut down. You know, the kid gets drafted from his living room, not from the, you know, the big stage in, in New York or, or Cleveland or Las Vegas or wherever they were doing it at, you know, that all got canceled. You know, the kid's literally sitting on his living room couch getting drafted number one overall, uh, you know, goes into a off season where he can't even meet with his own players. You know, everything the kids did was on a, on a, you know, video chat. You know, there was no in-person meetings until they got to training camp and then they were separated. Then of course he gets the devastating injury last year. So it robs him of of this off season of being able to do some of those things, you know, some of those building block things with, with people. And yes, he, you know, that shows, the work ethic, you know, the kid worked his tail off from the minute that, that they let him, you know, get the surgery and start the rehab process. He did everything possible to get back as healthy as possible for week one. And, you know, just weeks away, just a couple weeks prior to the season, you know, I saw him, we were talking and you could tell he still wasn't right, but he was close. And I think, Early in the season, I know we've a lot's been made of, of a lot of the sacks that, he, that he's taken over the season. Early in the year, he just wasn't confident enough, and yeah, didn't he's just have going enough, down. I, I don't think he, I don't think he had enough strength in in some situations to to make some of these spectacular moves we've seen these last few weeks with him ducking rushers and spinning out of you know spinning himself out of the pocket to make an off schedule throw. You're right, you know when when the when the you know, the free blitzer would come, he would basically just squat and, and lay down. So some of those numbers I think are inflated because I think a few of those sacks probably don't happen. But from about the mid-season point, you started seeing him get out of the pocket a little bit and scramble here and scramble there. And every time it happened, you could see the confidence build and the, and the build and build. And now you're back to, now you got 2019 Joe Burrow again. That that's the kid that we're seeing, you know, destroy the Steelers, destroy the Ravens, you know, make a a two score comeback not once but twice against the the, you know, the Chiefs over the weekend. 
you know, handed Patrick Mahomes his first loss in the regular season in the, the months of November, December, and January. I mean, I don't think that's anything to sneeze at. I mean, not at all. You know, that is a winning culture football team that came into Cincinnati, got off to as good of a start as they possibly could, and it still wasn't enough to overcome Joe Burrow when he's at his best. Yeah, and if you think about it, Matt, 14, no, 24-point comeback that should have been completed against the Chargers. Got to 22. Jamar Chase fumble. I mean, Joe Mixon fumbles, whatever. 14-point comeback against the Niners. Completed that. And then he just smokes the Ravens. And then a 14-point comeback three times against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's incredible. I mean, it's incredible, but yet, I mean, it's just the guarantee of work, man. It's the guarantee of just doing it over and over again and believing in yourself and believing in your process. And, you know, I love Joe's mobility and his ability to get out of the pocket. And I love that he took those sacks because it's, it's, it's my favorite ability of his and it's my favorite ability of every athlete that I love is the ability to play the game at your own pace. The ability to, because there's so many guys out there who they have to play at 100% speed and they're pretty good at 100% speed because they're just reacting. Just bang, bang, bang. 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%. Joe has always had the ability, not just with the way he throws the ball, but the way he maneuvers the pocket. Sometimes he's fast. Sometimes he slows. Sometimes he sits. Sometimes he spins. Sometimes he throws a, a line drive. Sometimes it has a little bit of an arc. It's whatever the situation needs it to be. And he's calm enough to execute in those situations. It is measured. And that's what taking those sacks earlier in the year was. It's why the Bengals trusted him to even go out there because he was measured. He was going to have the great decision-making of just, oh, I'm just going to go down because he knows he can't get out of it. Then as soon as he gets the feeling and comfort back, he's able to separate his body from his mind in the midst of a game. And that is such a unique ability in athletics to be able to separate your body from your mind to where your mind is always moving at the same speed, no matter how fast your body is required to move. I think Luka Doncic has this skill and it's why he's a guy that doesn't even work out, Matt. And he dominates the NBA every time he gets on the floor. He doesn't even work out because he can just play the game at his own speed, his own tempo. And he knows how to control the game and control the floor. He's got a vision for it, a calmness while he's doing it. And, you know, Joe has those same characteristics. And I just think that because he's had the chance to watch all these modern quarterbacks, Matt, he has so much to pull from and so much to learn from and so much to look at and build on. That's why you nobody can get this comparison right. You know, it's like, oh, he's Joe Montana, he's Tony Romo, he's Tom Brady, a little bit of Aaron Rodgers there, a little bit of this, because he kind of is a combination of everything. He's like the best of all. You know, well, I take a little bit of that, a little bit of the moxie, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, you know, you make your prototype quarterback. He is, and I'll say it time and time again, the quarterback prodigy that the country was never told about. And I'm, I'm just, I always say I'm so grateful to you, Matt, because you freaking told me day after day, car ride after car ride, story after story, you told me. And all you did was tell me the truth. And this kid's gone out and never given up and continue to prove it. And amazing to see, man. Amazing to see. The one thing you hit on there that that, uh, that, that I find most you know prevalent in, in his, in, he's, he's always going to be the most prepared guy on the field. I have no doubt about that. He's got a lot of the Peyton Manning factor in him as far as that goes. He's not going to let somebody outwork him in the offseason. 
You're not going to let somebody be more prepared than him in the offseason. But his next best trait, or maybe his best trait in reality, Lucas, I've seen the kid play, I guarantee I've seen the kid play more live football games than other than his parents, or other than his mother anyway. Um, I've seen him play more live football games than anybody on the planet. I don't have any doubt in my mind that that, that, that that's a true fact. Yeah, oh yeah. I think that's um, that's a fact. Safely. You know, maybe Sam Smathers, you know, the youth coach that's all the fourth grade games ahead of me. But you know, taking a, taking three or four people out of the mix, I've seen more live games of the kid than than anybody, including, you know, all the home games this year. The one thing that impresses me, no matter wh- how much duress he's under, and, and if if you're gonna go back to, you know, Nelson, New York and the T V C or Alabama and you know, all those great defenses in the SEC or, you know, the Ravens, you know, zero blitzing him all day long. The kid, I've never seen him look frustrated. Um, I've never seen him look with like that deer in the headlights look yeah. where, where the situation just seemed too big. Now, the Ravens in the first game last year, he didn't have an answer for that. Um probably the most frustrated I've ever seen him was that particular football game. But every other game I've ever seen the kid play, I don't think I've, I've seen him. He just doesn't look like anything you do phases him. He's got an answer for whatever you're going to try. And if the answer is lay down and take a sack, then that's it. But you don't, you never see him look like he's panicked. Even when he's off schedule and he's running, his eyes are downfield. He's made, looking to make a play. Yeah, and I, um, where some guys where some guys are just out there and they're running around and they just look like they're you know just jittery all over the place, just trying to figure something out. And I, I just I think that's his biggest trait. He, he's the calmest person I've ever seen under duress. Yeah, I mean, you have that one quote um, from it, it comes from his time in basketball. Matt, his uh, sociology professor at OU, I forget who it was was like is it like one of his youth basketball coaches and he makes nine or something free throws in a row to win the game and he's like hey you know if Joe wasn't a football player he could be a serial killer or a first responder and I'm like well that's a pretty that's a pretty bold statement <laughs> right just that that it was it, that was actually uh, Tom Vanderven from Ohio University yeah and they actually gave they actually gave Joe that metric test um you know where they put you under pressure and he had that, the ability to, like his heart rate didn't move. It didn't matter what they, what situation they put him in, what stressful situation he was in. It was like he flatlined. He was just the same, no matter how stressful it was supposed to be. His reaction was exactly the same. Which, I which mean. Just incredible. It's a little terrifying. And I'm glad he picked football. <laughs> <laughs> because he was just, it's like, I mean, when you say things like that, Matt. It's science, and, and you know, I re- remember reading this, another thing where it tests reaction time and, you know, processing and decision-making, and Joe scored like a 98 in that or whatever, one of the highest scores they've ever recorded. You know, it's definitely a brain thing, but I think that comes from the heart rate and the, I love all that, but his off-scriptness, like that ability to just see it and then it pops open and bang. Oh, I saw that last second, the fourth and five against San Francisco. I think that comes from basketball, from running the point in really important basketball games for four years. I mean, 
there were a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of big-time high-leverage basketball games that Joe Burrow played in as the point guard where I'm not saying that helps his you know, calmness in the pocket or anything, but certainly his off-script decision-making, um, his ability to know how to get his teammates involved and make sure that everybody's hot and everybody's rolling and everybody's cutting and everybody's moving. I, I think that's why you know I emphasize all the time, and I know you do too, multi-sport athletes. Do not have your kid play one sport. You are doing them a disservice if you ever want them to make the next level in that sport. Um, and I think Joe Burrow is a huge demonstration of that. Um, I'm glad he didn't play baseball. I mean, maybe he'd be a better slider that way, but I like that he stuck to basketball. <laughs> he, actually, he actually played baseball up until he was a freshman. Yeah, I meant, I meant then, at Athens. Like, that would have been too much dominance yeah. for one school. Leave the records for somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're right though. I mean, he's uh, he's done so many so many things, and uh, you know it's it's impressive. And you know we sit around in awe all the time and and think you know just watch this kid play across the street. It, you know, it just seems like yesterday he was you know running up and down the sidelines, you know cheering kids on, and as a 15 year old, and uh, you know to see each step he's make made. Uh, and made them as impressively as he has is, is really, you know, I've told you a lot of stories over the years and, and, and things that would lead you to think that he could do some of the things that he did. But I mean, if I sat here and told you that, that I thought the kid would win the Heisman trophy and, yeah. <laughs> and, and be the number one overall draft pick. I mean, those are obviously things that one person a year does, you know, the odds of that are, are astronomical, uh, you know, but, he has all the traits of, of being a great leader. And, and fortunately for, you know, for Cincinnati and, and the fans of, of the Bengals and, you know, he's brought all those traits with him and, and the people there, the, the coaching staff, the front office, and certainly the players. I mean, you just listen to a guy like Trey Hendrickson in, in his interviews. He goes, well, we're not afraid to make mistakes on defense because we think the guy on the other side, you know, our guy leading us on the other side of the ball can, can go fix it. You know, if we get down in a situation, we we fully believe that he can overcome it, and and that's what I meant earlier by you know he's a culture changer. You know, every quarterback doesn't have that. No. If you if you tell me that there's no way in, in the world that the guys in Miami believe that into a tongue of oil right now, there's no oh, you know. No. I mean, they didn't know. believe it last year, and and, and no. I think the reason they believe it, Matt, is because. I mean, you look at the famous video of him pulling the tire at Ohio State or the story of his first day at camp with LSU where he outsprints everybody on the first day he's there. Like, wait, you're supposed to come in out of shape. You're supposed to have been relaxing during your transfer year. You come in, you outrun everybody. You know, that type of stuff to where he never changes who he is and he's just the low heart rate that, and, and just out, again, that's, outworks that's one you. Of those things. That's one of those things there, where, though, where you know that's just a calculated move in his in his mind. Uh, you know, well, I don't know if you heard the story, but when they asked him about, you know, why aren't you smoking a victory cigar? He said, "I smoked one in the interview yesterday." And he goes, "Well, it's in the it's in the locker room." He goes, "It was on my chessboard." Yeah, that you know, the kid has a chessboard in his locker. Nerd, it's a Bengal camp. <laughs> so, you know, again, everything the kid does is strategic. It's thought out. It's planned. Call it manipulation if you want. But I guarantee you, in those weeks before he, you know, officially transferred to LSU and the time that he showed up on campus, 
I guarantee you he worked his tail off so he could walk in there and do that and prove to them that he was there to be the man. Yeah. I'm not coming here to be the third quarterback. I'm coming here to lead you into a place that you may, you may not have thought you were going to get. And you better sprint as hard as I am. God damn it. Right. I mean, that's kind of like, I think it's, that's the kind kind of work ethic though. Lucas, I think, you don't have to be a verbal. No, guy. you don't have to Joe say Burrow's anything. Not it's a like, raw, come on. Raw guy. You yeah. will never see Joe Burrow grab someone's face mask and get in their face and scream at them. That's not how the kid does it. He didn't do it that way in high school. He didn't do it that way in college. He won't do it that way now. Now he may embarrass you by outworking you to the point where you either step up your game or get out of town because you're not going to take the ridicule. You know, nobody in that room wants to let the quarterback outwork them. No, you know, you go in the you go in the weight room. You think those linebackers are going to let the quarterback outwork them? <laughs> You're crazy. Yeah, exactly. Especially Joe Burrow, who when they hang out with him, like this guy's a nerd. Like if you even watch Jamar Chase take the video and Joe's puffing on the cigar behind him, Jamar puts his Instagram live down, looks at the camera, laughs, and shakes his head. Like I can't believe. Like I just sometimes I can't believe this guy because it's like that's just he's smarter than you at football. He's going to work super hard. And, you know, he's just so genuinely going to be him. Even if it's nerdy, crusty crab spot. You know, I'm a nerd in Star Wars. You know I'm a, I'm a nerd, Matt. Nerd is an endearing term to me. But he just is who he is. And he's going to outwork you. He's going to be more prepared for you. He knows more football than you do. And he's a better football player than you because of all those things. And he might have been born a better football player than you. It is the ultimate combination. This pro- podcast was the ultimate combination, Matt. I'm so glad we got to just throw it all out there again because this is a story I imagine you and I will be revisiting over and over and over again. And there will be many new chapters to it. And I'm excited to share those chapters with you and, and all of Cincinnati and everybody. And I, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. No problem. I appreciate you asking me. Oh, so much fun. AFC North champs. Unbelievable. Yet totally believable. If you know the story and everybody's going to know the story soon enough. We'll see you guys next time.